Welcome to Audio Gyan with Kedar Nimkar, a podcast that documents insightful conversations with Indian designers, artists, musicians, writers, thinkers, and creatives of all types. Catch us on iTunes or visit audiogyan.com for more Gyan sessions. Here's your host, Kedar Nimkar. Welcome to a brand new series of Audio Gyan in association with Bharat Flooring and Tiles. In the coming weeks, we'll be talking with various artists, heritage conservationists, brand creators, illustrators, and architects associated with Bharat Flooring and Tiles. It's a company formed in 1922, which is leader in quality cement flooring and has been primarily making customized, handmade cement tiles. The timeless elegance and durability of these tiles make them work of art and invaluable part of the country's architectural heritage. It started as a part of Swadeshi movement. And with over 90 years of reputation, BFT is now most preferred choice of interior designers and architects across India. You can find relevant links in the show notes below. Today, I have Firdos Variava, Vice Chairman of BFT, with us on Audio Gan. He has worked in diverse fields such as telecom, trading, and market research prior to joining Bharat Flooring. Firdos is responsible for sales team and for all activities related to marketing. In addition he is responsible for creating new products to cater specific market segments and needs and for strategic planning. You can expect him partly guest and partly host in the upcoming episodes and in this series as well. But today he is our main guest. We'll be discussing history of BFT and importance of handmade tiles. So thank you for those for giving your time and it's a real pleasure to have you on audio again. So glad to be here and looking forward to discussing Yeah. Uh so yeah, I've come up with uh, five to six questions and let's see how the conversation unfolds. Uh but before uh we begin, if you can set some context uh uh brief about the history of BFT, how did it start? Uh I believe like I was going through the papers and research uh, and uh what was the ups and downs during the Second World War. Uh in fact, uh, I also wanted to know what like what the story behind Firoz Shah Sidwa and his nephew Rustam Sidwa uh, who were approached by Jamshed ji Nasurwan ji Mehta uh, to start the enterprise to boost India's economic freedom at that time so if you can just set the background and uh, give a brief introduction about PFT so my grandfather was uh, studying to become a lawyer and uh, he met this freedom fighter uh, Jamshed ji Nasurwan ji and who told him that india doesn't need lawyers it needs industry to be economically independent and my grandfather at that time he didn't have a lot of money he just said you know i'm willing to give it a try but uh, i need help so this freedom fighter actually became his partner and together they started this company bharat floorings in the sheds of uh, the family in uran Hmm. and what was interesting is that from the very beginning the whole goal was to be equal to the world's best because even in those days indian products didn't have such a good reputation uh things that were made in india were viewed with suspicion they were supposed to be of lower quality as opposed to imported goods and the whole intention of the company at that time was that they will make as good tiles as those that were being imported in those days and they were basically replace those tiles the imported tiles mm-hmm. but why was this perception because when the the britishers invaded they saw the quality of cotton the the quality of architecture the the fine arts right so why was it perceived uh, as low quality i mean if you can uh... sure so the thing is that uh, in order to become 
you know, dominant over India, I would say that the British took a number of steps to basically uh, stifle or to, you know, subjugate Indian subjects and uh, make it seem like anything that was handcrafted or handicraft is basically of inferior quality to what is being made by the machines in the West. Mm. You know, they took a lot of steps. So, for instance, before the start of the tile factory, my uh, grandfather, his family was making uh, liquor out of Mogara flowers in uh, Uran. And one day the British just said, no, I mean, now nobody can make uh, any form of alcohol except for uh, those that are of British uh, manufacture. Mm. So, you know, they would do things like this to basically try and ensure that Indian industry, Indian people did not come ahead. And uh, so my grandfather wanted to rectify this. uh, Jamshed Mehta wanted to rectify this. And so even when they started the company, within a very short period of time, they got a very good reputation as making really good quality tiles. And the first thing that the British uh, did was they said, you're importing the tiles and you're pretending that they are made in India. Wow. (laughs) You know, and then he had to fight court cases. He had to prove. And, you know, it was like in the public opinion that he had to prove that these tiles are actually made in India. These are of good quality. And it was really quite an uphill battle for some time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in fact, uh, that naturally... Uh, gels into my next question because uh, I was reading about uh, BFT uh, for this interview and uh, it seems Firosha was very particular about quality as you mentioned and mm-hmm. uh, there was a small anecdote uh, where which mentions that he threw uh, the white and black tiles the first batch which he made which was costing approximately 50,000 at that time which was in 1922 mm-hmm. he threw it in the ocean uh, so can you share like what made him so passionate about it what was the vision like and if you can share another few people who contributed to uh, look through or see through this vision his first batch of tiles was uh, made for this building called ready money building and uh, it was his first order and it was a big order he didn't want to take any chances he didn't want to be perceived like I said as being a poor quality uh, local manufacturer so he felt that you know after the manufacturer was over. He felt that these may be not as good quality as he would expect. The quality he was expecting was that the tiles should last as long as the building. Mm. And somehow he got the impression that this is not so. He threw the tiles in the sea. And uh, then he went abroad to see what he had done wrong. And he just discovered that what he had done wrong was he had not polished the tiles enough. So by then mm. it was too late. He had already wasted so much money. But, you know, it was just part of his nature that he would try and ensure that whatever he produced was of the highest quality. It should last as long as the building. Mm -hmm. And uh, the tiles in the Ready Money Mansion uh, at Fort, uh, they lasted until recently. So well over, I mean, 98 years those tiles have lasted, I would say. It's Mm -hmm. pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. And but what was the MVP like? I mean, in terms of just making the tiles right, because you try and test a few tiles and then you uh, mm-hmm. go for mass manufacturing. But how did that happen? Because somewhere there would be some sort of a inherent uh, um, rebel, I can say, to prove that we are not substandard or we are high in quality in in front of the Britishers also and in front in the within the Indian market as well. So how did that happen? I mean. Was, wasn't there any MVP sort of a approach? So, for instance, uh, one of the things that happened was that the tiles were not only tested in the factory 
but they were also tested by like i said the britishers they wanted to prove that maybe these styles are not of good quality so for instance when my uh, grandfather was being awarded the contract to produce styles for the railway stations you know what they would do is that they would uh, spit pan on the tiles and they would throw heavy trunks down on the tiles you know this anecdote was there in one of the uh, family uh, diaries and then they saw that the tiles didn't break and that the tiles didn't get stained so then they kind of like said okay you know these tiles can be used in the railway stations mm. so you know they would subject them to such tests that they would try and prove that okay you know this is not good mm-hmm. and so my grandfather had to take every step possible at the time to ensure that everything was up to par and uh, you know up to the mark and what was interesting is that he had a very good team with him uh, in fact i mean there were some employees of ours who worked with us for almost 30 40 years wow. you know so there was a continuity of uh, quality and quality and people who were there for generations and who had their children as well join the business and things like that so there was like this quality which was ongoing mm-hmm. which is how the company has also lasted for 98 years oh, that's really fascinating uh, so yeah coming back uh, actually coming to the main topic of our discussion i wanted to just generally uh, understand from you what's the value in handmade tiles so yeah handmade tiles have a unique uh, characteristics and also they have slight imperfections in fact i recently put them in my house as well in thane uh, so i wanted to know what's so unique or valuable about handmade tiles in general uh, and also if you can slightly highlight upon i understand it slightly lends its nature to wabi sabi as well so yeah if you can tell us more about it the great thing about handmade tiles and the reason why my family continued the business for so long as well is that a it's a handicraft industry so you are employing a large number of people uh you know there's a great joy in being able to employ people lots of people teach them a trade teach them a craft and keep something going you know which is uh, what we've done and there is also the joy of making something which will last for a very long time you know nowadays the whole life cycle of products seems to be that it has to last for like 5 6 years and then people want to change it in fact cars are like that <laughs> yeah i mean you look at virtually anything nowadays and what we you know always have tried to do is make sure that the tiles should last a long time they should be made by hand uh, they should be made to a certain quality and uh, that they should provide meaningful employment to people Mm-hmm. So that's uh, what handmade tiles are all about, mm-hmm. and obviously they have the handmade quality of being slightly imperfect. They're having slightly slight, you know, variations between tiles, and that's what creates the look of the floor, mm-hmm. which unfortunately you can't get with a printed uh, tile which comes out of a machine. Yeah, they all look the same. They all look the same. Yeah, they have a very standard look. Yeah, yeah. In fact I've like I'm curious to understand I've seen this uh, at least in my exposure in Bombay and Pune there are certain really quality type brands like the Prakash uh, Sabudana Wada in Dadar right and they proudly say that uh, we don't have any outlets so th- keeping that part aside uh, just sticking to what uh, is quality and just going deeper and deeper and refining the product is that the reason why you continue to hand make it or uh are there any other dimensions to the thought process you know what i mean right because it typically mm-hmm. when you scale you yes. you are uh you want to scale further 
and that's where a lot of automation comes in but it takes real character and real thought process conviction in your vision to just keep pushing uh, and having the same sort of quality like you will never expect like the same quality as mcdonald's has uh, mm. in in like a very boutique type area right so mcdonald's is for scales so. uh i would say that initially there was this focus on handmade because that was the technology of the time and over time what happened is that it became a differentiator so you know today in the market if you look at uh tiles which have got uh, prints on them which have got patterns on them you know there are dime a dozen you can get them in uh, ceramic tile shops there are thousands of brands making those and uh, we kept it as handmade because we realized that if we try to go the mass market way there's also no way to compete against such big brands you know which are there in the market uh spending hundreds of crores on marketing and tv and film stars and i mean there's nothing that we can do to compete with that mm-hmm. so the best way that we would survive and keep the company going is basically by keeping the tiles organic by keeping the production process very traditional and setting ourselves aside like that mm-hmm. keeping our niche in the market correct correct so that's why we didn't actually go for the mechanized mm-hmm. method of production yeah and it's good to know that because when i've got a uh, bft in my house mm-hmm. uh most of the guests who come they say that it doesn't look like a house in thane it mm-hmm. looks something else because i've kept white walls mm-hmm. and uh, teak wood uh, furniture and just gray tiles so it looks uh, yeah it must be looking unusual yeah <laughs> so i want to understand also how are tiles made uh, at uh, bft uh, i mean back when you guys started you had like 10 colors right mm-hmm. and today there are about more than 28 colors and like infinite patterns right so if you can share what was the journey like uh, what was the process of introducing colors i mean this is more like a marketing question which is your domain uh, to understand how do you identify the tg and how do you because i have a follow up question mm-hmm. respect to tg as well so right. if you can just give some background about that so basically the original colors that were developed were developed basis of the pigments available at that time you know turn of the century 1922 or so the whole tile making process was new and the method of coloring cement was based on oxide pigments so you know they had red oxide uh, yellow black phosphorus maybe yeah yeah i mean they had certain oxides which are derivatives of rusting and things like that which were natural pigments so those became part of the uh, tiles and nowadays the amount of pigments available are huge mm-hmm. there are a lot more manufacturers and so you know as these manufacturers have been approaching us saying that we can give you this color or that color so we've incorporated into the tiles and also one of the core strengths of the company has always been that we can color cement very well we know how to blend the colors together to make another color mm-hmm. that actually is one of the most closely guarded secrets is how to blend these colors and make them into a new color you know it's like printing almost mm-hmm. uh, you blend together pigments and you produce the so that's how basically we keep introducing colors slowly slowly as required hmm. and then uh, there must be also like a demand side also right mm-hmm. because you mentioned about the supply side right yes. there are people who are supplying different colors or and are these organic in nature as in like the colors itself No actually I would say that most of the colors now available are not organic they are made mass market 
what happens that the evolution of color has become that we had the primary colors when we started off in 1922 you know people wanted very sort of bright strong reds and strong yellows and things like that yeah. if you look at most of the traditional flaws they were like that they were very sort of black and white or red and yellow green and uh, red green Absolutely. and red yeah i mean yeah. now people want pastel colors so that's how slowly slowly you know adapting to taste and things like that we've started to introduce more pastel colors mm. which is in a way strange because it's almost like you're sort of diluting the original color down mm. to make it look uh, more faded mm. but that's now the taste so that's what we've been doing mm-hmm. so instead of a bright red like uh, terracotta is more preferred these days you're saying yeah so even you know instead of bright red for instance one would make a pink okay. so so that basically is like the red red pigment which has been basically diluted down and made uh, less stronger mm-hmm. then it starts going towards the pink side mm-hmm. so like that you know when you start looking at the degrees of what the pigment can achieve and uh, you know the okay at this level you will get this particular kind of color mm-hmm. that's one of the strengths of the company mm-hmm. but then what are the challenges in see because you have a vision right and there are certain established spaces in the city in and around the country which have a unique character which is defined through bharat flooring and tiles so mm-hmm. uh ideally you want to push that trend or that character of the brand further but if the supply is asking that we want faded colors we want pastel colors so are there do you find it challenging to stick to your catalog <laughs> yet cater to different people right yeah sure because what happens is that one of the interesting things is that to develop a new color takes a long time because everything is handmade so you know if you start making a color today the guy may produce say one shade of blue but tomorrow he may produce a totally different shade of blue hmm. and that can be quite a challenge in terms of production so in order to make sure that the colors are always standardized from lot to lot takes a while hmm. you know the guy who's mixing the colors he needs to have his hand set so we don't actually introduce colors in a tearing hurry we first sort of run them for a while make sure that yes okay this can be done in a very standardized way and then we start introducing them so the sandbox in which people can play also is uh, limited you know mm-hmm. like what uh, designers get we don't you know allow people to run amok and create any color mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah i would like to tell the listeners that when i ordered it took almost one month 10 days to reach mm-hmm. so yeah. i like i had been to bft in uh, kolaba and right. uh, we finalized one or two shades and then you guys said like it will take a month to reach yeah it takes yeah. about a month because the tiles unlike uh, and plus i ordered extra also because in case if i in case yeah in yeah, case you have chips away true the tile production process is uh, very manual and one of the things that uh, you know the tiles are made of is cement hmm. So cement unlike other materials it doesn't require firing it requires curing in water. So you put it in a tank of water for about 15 days. So actually out of the one month of your production time 15 days would have been spent in a tank of water just sitting there and then uh, we take them out we dry them out in air. So you know the entire actual time that the tiles are setting and getting their strength is around like 16 17 days uh, where they're just not doing anything. Mm-hmm. But that's necessary to give the tiles strength actually by doing this um few interviews i have realized that 
in fact i did a bunch of interviews with interior uh, designers and furniture designers mainly mm-hmm. and uh, i was trying to un- discover like what's the what's the nice warm feeling about teakwood right? right and the answer was pretty clear that it it wears and tears as the seasons change right because when it's when it's a rainy season they slightly swell so you have a different interaction with the surface right it's the same with flooring as well right if you have a True. standard industrial product then it just stays like that maybe for 50 60 years and you're just hmm. it becomes monotonous but when it's like the wabi sabi style you actually it gets eroded there's some places it feels different and the pigments which sometimes turn out differently yes so, true yeah, yeah it ages in a certain way yeah there's an actual aging process yeah. so you have been working with a few contemporary artists as well which uh, i'm hoping to do another uh, session with those people as well uh, to bring out like variety in your catalog so what was the thought behind that we had a huge catalog of uh, designs that were handed down from you know 1922 when the company started and those designs all came from uh, europe because the entire machinery and everything came from europe so at some point we wanted to contemporize the designs we wanted to make them more up to date and we wanted to show that you know we are not just stuck in the past we are actually design conscious we want to be looking uh, forward future you know future conscious in our design outlook so the first step was basically to work with uh, young designers and say that you know can you develop something unique can you develop something different especially for this brand and they did that i think in a very wonderful way mm-hmm. and now the next step for the company would be to look at how to play with this material and combine it in interesting ways uh not patterns but like in actual playing with the material you know changing the nature of the material to form something new mm-hmm. so for instance can we make it more lightweight uh can we make it more eco friendly can we use it in a sustainable way you know what can we do where the material itself is changing in a slightly different way to form a new material mm-hmm. but sticking to handmade <laughs> yeah at the moment i think we would stick to handmade mm-hmm. uh chiefly because uh you know we are known for that and because the philosophy of the company is that you know we would like to stick to small handmade production but if supposing we do get some huge order for something which we might have to look at some industrialization now mm-hmm. and this is like one of my most um looked after question which is like what characteristics of uh, bft transpires across uh, such a wide range of clientele i mean i was again doing some research and there are like age old buildings like the bombay central station uh reserve bank of india mantralaya bridge candy uh in fact santa cruz airport the express towers uh, lic buildings bombay gymkhana so right from that sort of people who are supposedly the south bombay uh, elite um, right. architecture right to actually smokehouse delhi socials and which are the new cutting contemporary mm-hmm. spaces right right so both are using the same handmade tiles true by bft so what what is the characteristics which transpires across so i would say that you know our brand chiefly appeals to two types of people one is uh, somebody who's an end user so anybody who's an end user who wants the floor that will last and will you know gracefully age would buy our tiles and the second type of person is somebody who wants something that is of unique design which will not be commonly available hmm. even though the brand is very big and you know everyone says that 
I see these tiles everywhere, but it's not actually true. It's just that when you see that tile, when you see that floor, it makes an impact on you, and you feel now you've seen it everywhere. But the actual number of places that you might have seen the floor is very few. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll see it in like very few restaurants, but those restaurants will have a great impact. Like somehow they will be transformed by that particular flooring mm-hmm. because it's unique. And what's also interesting is that that particular floor will also be very long-lasting. So yeah, these buildings must be hundred years old, and yeah, yeah. Even restaurants that we've done, a lot of restaurants that we've done, you know, they the floors have lasted well over ten years, fifteen years, and we would like to think that we contributed towards the longevity of that restaurant mm-hmm. because uh, you can clearly see the difference between a restauranter who's looking at a long-term establishment and a restauranter who's just setting up a chain a franchise and he just wants to milk it for like a few years and then get his investment back and then shut it. Mm. So you know we really have been appealing to the quality restauranters who want to make beautiful spaces that will endure. Mm. And uh, you know we have like for instance worked with for instance Riyaz Amlani, we worked with the guys who set up Bombay Canteen and O Pedro and you know when their thought process that my restaurant is going to be there for a long time and i want something that's going to be there for a long time and look good for a long time mm-hmm. so that's the kind of clientele we appeal to and it also ties back to the concept of like trunk gir gaya and then still there is no wear and tear so yeah so obviously quality True. matters because these are like very high uh, volume spaces and uh, there's a lot of a lot more action happening on a day to day basis right firdos uh, i want to just conclude with uh, one last question what were the few design or brand guidelines uh, which you are adhering to keep to basically keep it very indian hmm. or is it a conscious choice or any other thoughts around it it's about basically portraying who the company really is and part of it is that the brand has got a personality of its own right now you know which has come organically over time that it's quirky but yet it's also classic and old hmm so one of the things about the brand is that we try to make sure that there's the classical element of the brand as well as the quirky element of the brand and uh, if you look at our logo for instance it says established in 1922 and there's just a cross and bft written on it yeah. so it's a very classic very simple logo you know no frills and on the other side then you look at the brochures and they are like full of these quirky photographs and you know styling and imagery which shows that we are trying to keep up with the times and make something unique and new mm-hmm. so we try to balance both the things because we actually do appeal to do two very different sets of people one is the heritage conservationists the guys who are making you know old buildings look good and then we have the younger generation who are all like looking for something funky and crazy mm-hmm. and we want to be there for both of them oh. so that's what we bring out in the brand I'm sure there's lots more interesting uh, insights about the brand and obviously its brand philosophy and I'm hoping to have like a series of uh, uh, episodes with you like I guess the next one will be with uh, sort of Roy. Sort of Roy. Yeah, it's going to yeah, be really amazing. Yeah. yeah. He's the guy who created the brand, right? Yes, with he's the, the guy the, who's behind the brand and yeah. he's done amazing work for us. Yeah. So even I look forward to <laughs> picking his brains sure. on the next episode. Sure. And on that note thank you uh, Firdaus for giving your time and it was really wonderful talking to you. Thanks looking forward to the next episode. Okay thank you that's it. 
And that's it from today's Gyan session. Catch us on iTunes, Savan, Stitcher, or any podcasting app you use. Do rate us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Stay tuned for more Gyan on AudioGyan.com. Till then, bye.